it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan, 
Peter V.S. Bond explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys, and when I'm not podcasting, I lead B2B strategy at Fetch Rewards, mobile loyalty platform. I'm coming to you today from Shop Talk in Las Vegas. My dear friend and the other CPG guy, well, he's way across the country at the FMI show. He's unable to join us for this episode today. There are almost 10 thousand attendees here at the Mandalay Bay Conference Center meeting over the next three days to talk about all things omni-channel digital. It really is shaping up to be a great event. Before we get to today's guest, I want to remind our audience to visit cpgguys.com where you can access all of the content we create in addition to this podcast available on all the popular platforms and even some obscure platforms, you can find links to our social media accounts and a whole lot of other things. It's all free. Just go to cpgguys.com. Don't forget to check out our sister podcast, the FMCG Guys, hosted by our dear friends Daniel and Efrain. They're taking the CPG Guys format of speaking with retail and fast-moving consumer goods professionals across the Atlantic with a European spin. You can find them by just visiting fmcgguys.com. And remember, we're also partnered with Next Up, formerly known as Network of Executive Women. It's an organization that's dedicated to advancing all women in business and promoting gender equality in the workplace. To learn more about Next Up, just visit nextupisnow.org slash cpgguys, and you can learn more about this incredible organization. Now, no CPG segment has been more dramatically transformed as a result of the pandemic than consumable groceries. Prior to March 2020, e-commerce accounted for less than 4% of food and beverage sales. Today, that number is exceeding 10%, even approaching 15%. Suddenly, people of all ages were turning to e-commerce to secure their grocery needs challenged by the supply chain constraints brought on by this pandemic. Here to speak with us about the importance of digital marketing for food and beverage manufacturers is a skilled industry practitioner and a thought leader in digital consumer engagement. Her CPG experiences included work at Ghirardelli Chocolate, Mars Foods, and even Dean's Foods before joining B&G Foods in the summer of 2020 as the Director of E-Commerce and Digital Marketing. Last summer, on a drive back from Massachusetts, on my way home to Connecticut, she reached out and introduced herself, and we spent about two hours on the phone uh, discussing all things transformation in the industry. We've been good friends ever since. I am so excited to welcome to the podcast my dear friend, Naya Malik. Naya, how are you? Very well. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Thanks for having me. This feels like a very, very coveted hot seat to be in. (laughs) So I'm glad to be here. And and absolutely, I definitely remember the phone call that you and I had. That was uh, quite the call. Um, And, um, you know, thank you for opening up and thank you for that partnership that we've built over the two years. You know, um, as you had mentioned, Ghirardelli Chocolate, Mars, Dean Foods, and now B&G, it's been quite the journey within the e-commerce space. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you for including me. And as you can imagine, starting this particular role in the midst of pandemic, as you can imagine, it was it was almost where you sink or swim. And there wasn't an option. And, and you really take it 
and go as fast as you can and get the ball rolling in, in so many different ways to accelerate e-commerce. Um, so thank you for speaking to me today. Yeah, and it's really doubly exciting to be here at Shop Talk with this confluence of all these industry thought leaders. It's got my creative juices flowing. I am so excited to be able to talk with people that I've really only been able to do one-on-ones with via Zoom. So it's a great forum, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Hey, before I get to the questions I've prepared for you, why don't you give our audience a little bit of background on who B&G Foods is and tell us about what your team is charged with doing there. Oh, absolutely. I think the best way I can probably explain is B&G from the humble beginnings, uh, we've grown into a multi-billion dollar company with more than about 50 brands, but one purpose. Delicious food from B&G, from B&G family to yours and everyone's. Everything we do is about making sure you get great tasting, high quality food. We're committed to acquiring and investing in established food brands such as Green Giant, Ortega, Spice Islands, and many, many more across various categories and making them more relevant to our customers. Even so more now with the pandemic, as more and more consumers are eating at home, all meals and baking at home, so all our baking brands becomes very relevant. My team in particular is charged for all things digital, from digital shelf, from content, full funnel media activations, retail media websites, SEO, be the change and the thought leader for the entire organization and bringing every single person within the company on the journey. I feel most important is to bring the entire company along at every level to be digitally savvy. I always say there's one thing that you want to go hire more and more digital experts, but there's another to really make everyone within the organization a digital expert. So that's what we're starting to do. We started a and University and one of our courses now is a omnichannel cohort where we uh, do sessions every month uh, or more often if needed. And we train everyone on what happens from the start to when the product's launched on ultimately how it shows up on our websites, on our retailers' websites, and the journey that the consumer is on. So uh, that in a nutshell is who B&G is and, uh, and what my team is charged to do. What a fun job, because it's not just about going out and, and hiring guns who have the experience. It's about upskilling the entire organization exactly. and bringing them on the journey. That's terrific. To our audience, in the digital liner notes of this podcast episode, you will find links to Neha's LinkedIn profile, to B&G Foods on LinkedIn, and their website. So you can learn more. Don't worry. You don't have to write it down. It's all in the digital liner notes, and it's all hyperlinked. Make it easy. Okay, so let's get to the questions. Let's start off a little bit easy, right? We're going to ease our way into this conversation. Bring it on. At a very high level, why is the digital shelf more important today than it was three years ago from your perspective? Yes, I think as, you know, our industry, um, I mean, overall, but consumer product goods, but food and beverage was headed towards digital already um, prior to the pandemic, but which with the pandemic, it really helped accelerate the digital shelf. Consumers are more digitally savvy and interact with the brands at an entirely different level. Consumer expectations are far greater than ever before from the brands that they either used to purchase in the past or the new ones that they're interacting with in the new uh, digital world. From a brand perspective, best-in-class digital shelf supports growth, acquisition and retention, and ultimately supporting growth and and advancement of a particular brand. I would say the digital shelf provides brands with the opportunity to showcase their products and communicate with shoppers at just the right moment in the consumer journey. 
that is the moment they're researching or looking to buy a particular product. So hence, the digital shelf becomes that much more important in today's world from both the brand and the consumer perspective. Yeah, I have to say, when I, when I did the opener here and I mentioned the fact that pre-pandemic food and beverage sales for e-commerce was somewhere south of 5%, and now it's 10 bordering on 15. It's something you can't ignore anymore, right? And right. and that's that's a testament to why your, your group is here to try and help build out the capabilities to win in this channel. It's something right. you just have to be a part of or you're walking away from sales, which is not anything a responsible CPG company wants to do at this point. So let's shift into retail media, right? I'd love to know from your perspective, how has the advent of retail media fundamentally transformed how consumer goods manufacturers invest in growing their brands? You know, what makes retail media so appealing? And when you look to prioritize investments against retail media, what capabilities are you really looking for in the platforms that you can choose from? Absolutely. So I think retail media, as we hear, that word in itself has become a pretty huge monster, if you will. And in so many ways, rightfully so, because that's how the interaction is from the brands to the retailers to the consumer. However, this is not really a new trend, but it is one that is currently accelerating at a huge pace. Uh, since Amazon launched its media network, what, way back in 2012, um, right about in that time frame, retailers large and small have followed suit since then. From big box giants like Walmart, Target, especially retailers like even outside of the food and beverage, like Sephora and app-based uh, delivery services that we all now talk about, like Instacart and Ships of the World or GoPuffs and Ubers and everyone. Now we're poised for an explosion of the growth in this space as retailers seek to capitalize on growing demand from the consumer. And then you talk about, you know, when Fiji was speaking earlier today, she talked about quick commerce. It's like, I think the expectation now is, you know, how do we get your order delivered to your home in 15 minutes and and which brands show up to the top? And that's all part of how do you win as a brand within the space. But the online space is one of the arenas worthy of attention for ret retailers seeking to build up robust media networks, retailers to consider when creating their RMN strategy. You know, we know retail media can mean different things to different people, but here's a simple definition from our perspective, is a vehicle to market your customer at the point of purchase or point of choice, if you will. This isn't a new concept. Retail media can include everything from product sampling, the entire omni-channel, if you will, on how you see the full funnel activations. I personally say the top of the funnel is marketing, bottom of the funnel is sales, if you will, the consumer journey isn't linear, so how do you approach them at different levels within their journey is very important. Um, how do you uh, build the in-store displays, even though the, the traffic and the footfall in the retail space is low right now, but still the ones that are going. Or how do you feature placements within the mailers, if you will. You know, the postcards or the mailers had become a thing of the past till the pandemic happened, and then now all of a sudden the mailers is a huge thing again, or or the um, email marketing, et cetera. Retail media and digital world is similar. Brands pay, have to pay their products shown at, at or near the point of sale, which increases the likelihood of, a consumer, of the consumer actually buying that particular product. So it's all about how do you show up and how top of the page you show up. And, and I think we all know that if you're not on the first page or in the top three or six 
uh, uh, items that you might as well bury yourself because you're not going to show up. You know, there's a lot to unpack, unpack there. I think what I heard from you is, one, you want to be full funnel. You have to be where the shopper is, not necessarily where you want to be. Correct. You have to understand that they may well be using digital standing inside of a physical store. And if you don't have content that helps them make purchase decisions wherever they are, then you're not going to win the buy. So when we think then about retail media, right, it's not a panacea. It's not a panacea. It can't solve all of your problems. So how do you think about investing against, you know, obviously search and organic search and when do you use retail media? Are there particular instances when you say, okay, I need retail media to support these kinds of products, these kinds of situations? How do you think about judiciously allocating your dollars? Because yeah. you don't have an unlimited budget to right. just go spend retail media. And the point you made is there's only a certain number of product of promoted product listing spots. Correct. So you can't fit all your assortment in that in that first row. So how do you think about that? How do you that? think about that? Yeah. So, you know, retail media, as as important and as much of a giant that it is, it's still only one aspect, like you mentioned, of winning um, online and cannot solve all the issues. For optimal success, I would probably say every brand needs to build and follow their entire ecosystem and their own journey, right? Like you said, it's not about where the brand wants to be. Brand has to be where the consumer is within their particular journey. So it's regardless of whether they're B2B or B2C of which BNG is not a B2C, we're a business to business. Mm -hmm. And and we do it fairly well within within our limitations because that's a choice that we've made as a company for now not to go direct to consumer and that's okay. The best so so what you need to have is your best websites. And hence then how do you do best in class SEO, SEM, the online and offline media and how do you distinguish between the two? Building the brand awareness via Google, Yahoo, Bings of the world, etc. You know, I had done a session about a year or so ago with um, another company, and I had talked about, at the time, it, most brands were so new in the journey where they almost only did half of the ecosystem and where they were trying to win so much within the retailer where you forget how to drive traffic from what I call always all, from outside in. Okay. If you don't create the brand awareness to the consumer outside, you're not going to be able to get them to the retailer if you're a business-to-business um, a company and not a, a, not a direct-to-consumer. So it's extremely important that you drive regardless of whether it's organic or paid. And no matter where you are in the cyber world, if you will, and create that awareness, you know, we talk so much about social commerce now, where how do you drive your consumer as our millennial um, consumer only lives on, you know, Instacarts and TikToks and and the older generation, a little bit on Facebook. How do you create? I'm on that? MySpace. I'm still, is that, that okay? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so it's it's again wherever your consumer is. How do you meet them there and do everything right? Social commerce, another to create awareness. Valuable information and keyword optimization will really support yeah. your website and ranking. So when you talk again, if you go back to creating the SEO and the ecosystem. Um, are you doing it right by ranking your website within the Google search? Are they really scaling and and um, bringing your, are you now showing up higher within the search? Um, there's a whole list of factors that will influence, um, and some of my top ones, of course, are your discoverability, your ranking, crawlability. Is, is Google really crawling your website? Are you being getting indexed? So indexability. Mm, yeah. The authority of the page you're on, 
the page's topical relevance, how relevant, and that goes back to how well are you writing blogs or in our food and beverage, how good are your recipes and are they then shoppable? Uh, the authority of the page, the image popularity, the images that are related, the image captions, the attributes, you know, then you can drill down to the format, the JPEG, you know, the size, the naming convention and all that. While a lot of this seems very um, elementary, but so often that brands forget to be all inclusive and then in the space. You gotta block and tackle. Exactly. It's it's the fundamental elements. If you don't take care of that, all the money you invest in retail media is going to be for naught. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So there's one thing you talked about, which was B2C versus B2B. My question is around direct to consumer. Here's the here is the big question. It's the one that I love to ask brands. Should direct to consumer be the aspiration? of every brand manager. What considerations do you think brands need to make before deciding whether they want to be in a D2C kind of business? Yeah, and I think there's a twofold answer here. Uh, the immediate one that obviously I'm going to respond with is by saying not necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's really, it, it's where you are within your brand journey. And, you know, I, I think the biggest one, um, you know, even with attending the sessions today or um, from what I've learned in the last few months, especially coming out of pandemic is a supply chain. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest issue that most of our brands face, that even if we want to be direct to consumer and we can be, does that make, make sense to really be one? Because if you can't even supply enough to your retailer partners, now you struggle and you're competing against yourself in trying to say, are you going to go direct to consumer or not? So I, you know, at, at BNG, we are not direct to consumer and it's not one we're dropping everything to go run after either. Sure. And that would be my, um, my advice to my fellow um, e-commerce leaders, uh, omni-channel leaders. It, it don't rush into it. It doesn't have to be. If I do agree that if a brand does absolutely wants to go online yeah. uh, or direct to consumer, then having, you know, all the things that we just talked about, like the, having the website and the best UI, UX, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and you know, are you able to capitalize on the, the 1P data, which is so important these days as well. It's how are you doing it right? Is your checkout process uh, the best that there can be out in the marketplace? And, you know, you talk about how do you lead your consumer from social media with four clicks all the way to checkout? And that's a very fast process. Yeah. So if you're not, then you're going to lose them somewhere in the process. So how do you make sure that you're ensuring that that's the best? Be cautious about your pricing. Yeah. So you're not directly competing with your retailer partners. And then, of course, we all know our biggest um, partner, Amazon, and with their crawlability um, and algorithms, then that becomes sometimes a challenge. And then lastly, like we said, supply chain and fulfillment speed. We just talked about Instacart or others in 15 minutes. Are you able to do that? Yeah, I think about product locators, right? Because if you're not doing direct to consumer, it's the greatest way to get exactly. your consumer. But even therein, because of this pandemic, there are challenges. A lot of product locators are built on historical sales data as opposed to real-time inventory. And the last thing you probably want to do is drive someone to a store and then they get there and it actually isn't, isn't in stock. Agreed. So you have to be really careful about what is the source of that data. The closer you can get to retail inventory fueling the product locator, yes. the more valuable it is. But I've got to imagine that if it's inaccurate, it's based on sales data that's four weeks old. 
Agreed. You don't want to send someone there, right? You, so, you're right. It's it's real time, and we have that. We on all our websites, we have the product locator, and you know it's directly connected to your spins or Nielsen or wherever, whichever company you partner with. So it's technically real time, and exactly to your point, if it's not, then you could, like I always say, tighten it so well where you're not wasting your resources, your money. And, and, and lastly, losing the consumer because they're not frustrated that you are not able to fulfill. Before we continue with this week's episode of the CPT Guys podcast, a brief message about Next Up. Next Up is a growing community of over 14,000 professionals representing nearly 900 organizations across North America, all devoted to advancing women in business. On Thursday, April 28th, you can attend Becoming a Corporate Change Agent from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Attendees will leave this session with the knowledge of how to recognize when a change is needed, how to get internal and external alignment from stakeholders, how to manage during change, and finally, how to keep me moving forward when facing obstacles. Visit nextupisnow.org slash events to register. For more information on how to get involved with Next Up, visit nextupisnow.org slash cpgguys. And don't forget to tune in to Advancing All Women podcast on Voice America, hosted by Next Up President and CEO Sarah Alter. Listen every Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, with rebroadcasts weekly on the Voice America Influencer Channel. And of course, download episodes after the air wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, nextupisnow.org slash cpgguys is the place to go to learn more about becoming a member of Next Up. And now, back to our episode, already in progress. I want to remind our audience that we're speaking with Neha Malik, Director of E-Commerce and Digital Marketing at B&G Foods. So, Neha, my next question is about shoppable media, right? Do you, and this is an argument that I have with a lot of people. Well, it's a discussion. We'll just, we'll just say that, but... Is shoppable media, from your perspective, fundamentally at odds with building brands? Why or why not? Is full funnel, and 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 then following that, is full funnel attribution necessary in shoppable media, or is just the add to basket enough for a brand to say that that'll cover my needs? I'd love to know your perspective on yeah, shoppable media. Yeah. Um, so again, I think the the fastest fastest answer I can give is no, it's not at odds, but. When you take it further and you drill it down, shoppable media is very much a part of the full funnel digital. Again, as we talked about, the consumer journey is not linear. So some mm-hmm. may be much closer to that, making that final click and, and adding it to the cart. So in that particular scenario, when you have your, um, your links um, hyper, where they can literally click on it and add to the cart, again, Sometimes it makes it easier for direct-to-consumer brands to be able to do that as opposed to, as we talked about, if you have the locator, now you're taking them out of that recipe to a retailer's website and there could be a little bit of distraction there. So you just have to be a little bit of, a little bit careful there. Um, but, you know, due to, I think it, it also depends on a brand and the journey if they are very much a, advanced brand and established brand as opposed to a new and upcoming brand because if there's awareness then the click to cart comes a lot sooner than one that now you're having to read about the the ratings and reviews etc it's very much creating the awareness and leading the consumer down the path of conversion also Um, each brand and consumer within their own journey within the full funnel it's not one size fits all. So, so I truly do believe shoppable media um, and bringing recipes, especially for a food and beverage uh, brand such as ours, 
becomes that much more important because you're truly taking them further and further down within the funnel to the point of purchase. Great. Hey, when during your introductions, you shared with us what your group's role is. We talked a little bit about upskilling your workforce. So let's double click down on that a little bit. How do you think about upskilling talent in your organization for e-commerce and digital marketing? And how do you bring along other stakeholders on the journey to make sure that the upskilling really takes and it delivers the results that you were, you were investing against? Yeah. So uh, again, as I mentioned, I think continued education, I can't stress enough on that. You know, I've now, this is my fourth organization that I've brought in and created the strategy and brought the organization on the journey. And I cannot stress enough on bringing everyone, whether that's operational team or whether that's supply chain team, don't always, I think often the perception becomes that if you bring the C-suite on the journey with you, then that's sufficient. And it's not. It's extremely important, but you have to then bring other stakeholders who understand, especially in supply chain, for example, at B&G, we're having that constant discussions to say, you know, if you did your 80-20 rule and you're focusing on X number of SKUs, now maybe scale it further back and really only focus on the brands that you truly are, or the products rather, that you truly know that your fill rate could be upwards of 90%. Because then you're not, like we talked about, you're not spending the money, the, the budget, the time, the resource to get to get to the point of conversion. And then you fail your, themselves and yourselves because you can't ship enough. So continued education becomes extremely important. And as I mentioned at BNG, we started a university where we have company-wide, um, literally classrooms, where we have had panels from retailers come speak, our agencies come speak. We literally showcase as our uh, process on when an item gets introduced or changed. How do we literally walk through the entire journey of setting up an item? I mean, as as down to the basics about writing the content and how do we syndicate the content? And then how does a full funnel work, how the SEO works, like literally through the entire classroom. And that's really becoming the key. Um, We're we're just started. We're a couple months into it. So I can't wait to see you know, like a benchmark, if you will, six months from now. So so let's talk again in six months or, or 12 months, and I'm happy to report back. But um, we're very much excited about this journey on, on how the entire organization is able to speak to, you know, what digital means to um, to the consumer, to the brand, but more important to the retailer, and then ultimately to the consumer. Neha, building meaningful sources of insights, I think you and I both agree are fundamental to making good business decisions. So my question to you is first party consumption data important to an effective insights program? How do you source it? And are are you able to use it in journey mapping and the creation of the holy grail, which is probably customer lifetime value? It's absolutely. You know, we're um, probably in our early stages um, as as BNG, as a consumer or as a as a company. Um, but it's very much a key to success. You know, we talk about whether you measure your digital shelf or share of voice, share of search. I mean, you and I can go on and probably have so many different ways that we can I'm measure sure we these can. things. But for any manufacturer similar to ours or um, or direct to consumer, uh, where whoever plays across various categories, one thing we're trying to do is to say, you know, how do we play that in our favor to say if someone is coming in for a for one of the categories and not the others, but how do we then take that consumer across different aisles, digital aisles of the store, and how do we play up that that 
uh, first party data, um, you know, what, what's the strongest channel for us? Is it the social? Is it the, um, you know, other loyalty programs that different retailers offer? But approaching the growth uh, from a bigger category perspective as opposed to down to a brand perspective is a bigger play for us and very meaningful. For example, with pandemic increase, the meals and baking, um, one of our websites that we launched last year was bakingathome.com. Um, and the, the idea behind that was is to bring multiple brands within one as opposed to having a website for each of the brands. And how do you then bring the consumer into more within the recipe, but now you can utilize multiple B&G products for that particular recipe. And then how do you take that data and play across? And then, by the way, here was baking, but then how do you take them into, for example, spices or frozen or or meals? Um, that That's how we're trying to think that data from our uh, brand perspective. Um, but, you know, we're then tracking the SEO. I know we talk, there's a lot of talk about uh, when the cookies go away, how do you then track data there? So a lot for us to learn as well. But from everything that we have learned, we're trying to, from the category perspective, approach it as opposed to just. So instead of going bottom up, we're trying to go top down in a different different, different manner. <coughs> Pardon me. All right. Now, last question. We're here at Shop Talk. We have all these industry thought leaders. What are some of the emerging trends that you're looking at in our industry? You're hoping to gain some insights during this terrific event. And what really has you focused right now on, on the future? Yeah. Um, I'd say five um, or maybe even six. So first party data we talked about, that's, that's huge, yeah. uh, of course. Supply chain, that's the top of my mind, um, especially from BNG perspective. Because uh, how do you tighten the ship, if you will, and really work across all different um, uh, teams within the organization? You know, one on everyone's mind is metaverse, the new metaverse, and how that plays. The NFT, you know, you see that everywhere. The CPG guys are all over I NFTs. I have seen We're that. Very yes. excited. Yes, we would love to. I, I do. I do want to learn more on that from Utility you. Utility NFTs. That's the key. It's not these wonderful little doodle arts. That's nice, and that's right. for creative right. types. There's this other NFT called Utility. Everybody learn about it. We'll be okay. talking more about it on the CBT. I would love to learn more that. But then the two other to add to that list, I would probably say, I think the new terminology is quick commerce. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, social commerce. Yeah. You know, I think social is one where it's not humanized enough yeah. or monetized enough. And yeah. I definitely would recommend that um, for any brand, uh, regardless of wherever D2C or B2B. But those are probably the six top on my mind. Outstanding. I'll remind our audience to visit cpgguys.com. You'll find all of our content there, our podcast available on every platform there is, including VoiceOS. Uh, and it's all free, so make sure to go join there. And, of course, follow us on LinkedIn. Just go to LinkedIn through the mobile app or your browser, and when you get to the site, enter in CPG Guys on the search box, and then just click follow, and you will be privy to all the great content we're producing. Now, I want to thank you for taking time aside from the show to sit down with me and talk about all of these topics that I think are very relevant for the industry. We really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. I really appreciate you taking the time and letting me come on it. This is definitely privileged, and I'll take it as such. Sure, you missed a good one today. Sorry you couldn't be with us today. And to our audience, thanks for joining us. We look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye.
content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.